welcome. My last sermon I delivered was titled, Your Kingdom Come. It was on the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, and beginning with verse 9, it states, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, this morning my attention is drawn to verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. And it's so timely in my estimation because of all the things that are happening in the world that we don't have to worry about our needs. It may seem a little skeptical out there with all this stuff happening, cyber warfare, economic warfare, and all that sorts of thing. But we know that he will give us this day our daily bread. And, you know, you have that in your handouts. It reflects what I'm talking about. And, of course, it will have the sermon outline for your easy reference. So, dear Lord, this morning that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. You know, with the first two words of Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, give us, there is a shift in the emphasis of this prayer. The first part of this prayer dealt with God and his nature, And, of course, the primary focus of all prayer ought to be on God. But now this prayer shifts to man and his needs. And so beginning with verse 11, we see three petitions. In the last half of this prayer, the Lord Jesus shows us how to pray for all of our needs. Man is a creature, and he's limited by space, and he's limited by time. In space, he is a tripartite being body, soul, and spirit. In time, he has a past, he has a present, and he has a future. The last part of this prayer deals with every need that man has, both in space and in time. The first petition, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread, deals with all of our physical needs. The second petition, verse 12, forgive us our debts deals with all of our emotional needs. The last petition, verse 13, lead us not into temptation, deals with our spiritual needs. One deals with the needs of the body, the second deals with the needs of the soul, the last deals with the needs of the spirit. Beyond that, the first petition deals with our present, the second petition deals with our past, and the third petition deals with our future. What an extraordinary prayer model this is. You know, because of time constraints, I'm going to focus primarily on the first petition, verse 11. But I'll tell you, everything in my message applies to the other three, the other two as well, to all three. And so we begin with the focus here on bread. Jesus specifically said we should pray for bread. Now, bread was used for a specific reason. And contrary to what you might think, bread here is almost an indispensable word. Now, in reality, you really could not substitute another word here because in order to understand the meaning of this prayer, 
it is necessary to have and to understand the term bread. To the Hebrew mind, bread was the principal source of food of life, the source of life. It was and still is the staff of life, that which sustains life. And as a matter of fact, bread was considered so sacred in the Middle East that it wasn't cut. It was broken. To cut bread would be like cutting life itself. That is why where we get, that's where we get the New Testament expression of breaking bread. Such as Matthew 26, 26, which states, Jesus took the bread, blessed it, and broke it. And then Acts 2.42 states, and they continued in the breaking of bread. So to ask for bread is to ask God to supply all of our needs. Anything we need to sustain ourselves and anything we need to strengthen us. It's God's design and God's desire to meet every need we have. Now to pray this prayer and understand all of its ramifications will force you to do three things. First, in your outline, acknowledge the divine source of bread. The first two words, give us, instantly speak of two things, ownership and stewardship. You see, when you ask someone to give you something, you have just admitted four things. First, they own it. Two, you need it. Three, they don't owe it. And fourth, you don't deserve it. This verse doesn't say pay us. It says give us. And these two words immediately tell us two things about our relationship to God. On the one hand, we are dependent on him. But on the other hand, he is independent from us. And you will never have a proper understanding of things, money, tools, and toys, nor will you be rightly related to all of these things until you understand that everything you have, everything you need, and everything you own comes from God. James 1.17 says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. You know, the Apostle Paul rhetorically asked the question of the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 4.7 What do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you glory as if you had not received it? Did you know that in one sense, you cannot give anything to God? Listen, you can truly give something to someone when that someone had nothing to do with what you gave them. For example, at Christmas, many parents give their little children money to go out and buy presents for the parents. You've got to remember that God possesses everything first. You see, everything you give to God, God first gave to you. Consider King David as he led the children of Israel to take up money to build the temple. And we are told in 1 Chronicles 29, 7, they gave for the work of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of brass, and 100,000 talents of iron. 
You know, modern scholars will tell you that that would be equivalent to about $3.8 billion today. And then the Israelites were happy because they had given to the work of the Lord. And verse 9 tells us, Then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly, because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord, and King David also rejoiced greatly. But then, King David brought it all back into perspective when he said to the Lord in verses 13 and 14, Now therefore our God... We thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you and of your own we have given you. Amen. And the reason why America is so blessed has gotten too big for her spiritual britches if she has forgotten where her blessings came from. Now Israel entered into the promised land. As they did, the Lord gave them a warning. He said in Deuteronomy 8, 11 through 14 and 17, which states, Beware, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today, lest, lest when you have eaten and are full, and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and then you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Sounds like an American slogan. I heard a TV commercial the other day this, about a credit card. They're enticing you because they have better reward points. And it says, make more of what is yours. There are some who say, God didn't give me anything. I worked for it. I earned it. I bought it. I paid for it. And I own it. That was the attitude of Israel. And that is the attitude of America. But God then said, Deuteronomy 8.18, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. No God, no power. And the reason why you ought to ask God for bread is because even the bread you eat comes from God. I'll share a little poem. Back of the bread is the flour. Back of the flower is the mill. Back of the mill is the sun and a shower and the wind and the Father's will. Second on your outline, ask for a definite supply of bread. We are to pray specifically for our daily bread. You know, this verse literally translated says, the bread that we need, give us today, day after day. And I'm so glad that the Lord has taught us here that we are to take our needs before him. It is paramount to take a legitimate need before God and to ask God to meet that need. In fact, 
One of the reasons why the, God allows us to have needs is to show us our need for him, which is our greatest need. Now, if you have a need, and I emphasize need, that hasn't been met, there are basically two reasons. First, some people don't get their needs met because they don't ask. James 4.2 states, you do not have because you do not ask. And therefore, the great tragedy of prayer today is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Don't be surprised. When we all get to heaven and God takes us on a tour of our heavenly home, and he takes us to a big vault that over the top of that vault is a sign that says, unclaimed blessings. In that vault are going to be all of the blessings that God wanted to give us, but he was never asked. Now, second reason some people do not get their needs met is not because they don't ask, but because they don't believe. Jesus said in Matthew 21, 22, and all things, whatever you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. If you pray and believe, you receive. But if you pray and doubt, you do without. Now, it cannot be emphasized too strongly that this prayer has nothing to do with our wants. We are to ask God for bread, not dessert. You see, God meets our needs, but not our greeds. Philippians 4.19 states, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God has promised us only the necessities of life, not the niceties of life. God has promised to give us what we need, not what we want. We may want cake, but we may need bread. He does give us more than just our needs, but he promises promises only your need. You see, God has promised us bread, not bread and gravy. He still meets your needs, but everything else is gravy. Our problem often is that we take the bread for granted and we're not even thankful for the gravy. But I also want to add to this prayer and say that this prayer has nothing to do with welfare. We are to ask God for our daily bread, not our daily handout. Prayer is no substitute for work. Truly, our Heavenly Father feeds the birds of the air, but he doesn't drop bread into their nests. They have to go out and hunt for it, scratch for it, get it, and bring it back home. If all you ever do is ask God for bread, but refuse to work for it, you will starve to death. God said to Adam in Genesis 3.19, In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. We have to feed the hungry who cannot feed themselves. But you you won't do a favor to a lazy man by feeding him when he can work. Proverbs 16.26 says, The person who labors, labors for himself, for his hungry mouth drives him on. 
Solomon said in Proverbs 28, 19, He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who is perverse in his ways will fall at once. I heard about two men who lived next to each other. One was a very devout, God-fearing man. The other was a neighbor who was an infidel. And one day, the God-fearing man is out there working on his garden, and the infidel is looking over the fence, and he said, I thought you were a God-fearing man. The man said, I am. And the infidel said, didn't you ask God to give you a good garden? And the man said, yes. I said, Lord, you send the sunshine and the rain, and I'll keep the winds out. Don't bother asking God for daily bread unless you're willing to say amen by working for it, if you are able. Third, your outline appreciate the daily sufficiency of bread. We are specifically told by God to give us this day our daily bread. And you could translate this, give us this, give us the bread sufficient for us. You know, see, when Jesus was giving us these instructions, he was stressing God's provision for our needs on a daily basis. In his day, laborers were paid daily for work that they had done that day. Usually the pay was so low that it was virtually impossible to save any of it. And so therefore, each day, every day, they would purchase the food that they needed for that day and only that day. Now, you can apply the same principle 2,000 years later because it tells us, first of all, that we are to live one day at a time. God does not provide for today's needs tomorrow. He's never late. Neither does God provide for tomorrow's needs today. He's never early. Do you remember when God provided the bread called manna for the children of Israel when they were wandering in the desert? God specifically instructed them to gather for the day only enough manna manna that they needed for that day. But if you remember, some of the families got piggish. They got more than enough manna for that day. They ate all they could and had so much left over. And overnight, that excess manna bred worms and began to stink. From that day forward, every chariot in Israel had a bumper sticker that said, use it or lose it. But there's another principle to learn. And whether you have a little bread or a loaf of bread, be thankful for what you have. Don't complain about what you don't have. There's a precious lady prayed this beautiful prayer. I believe I heard it from the mouth of Irene Marshall. And she said, Lord Jesus, please teach me to appreciate what I have before time forces me to appreciate what I had. You know, I know one of the greatest men in the Old Testament must have been a man named Agur. Now, I'm sure that's not a familiar name to most of you, but it ought to be. He wrote the 30th chapter of Proverbs. You know, he, he revealed what a great heart he had And he revealed what a great grasp of materialism and greed that he had. 
when he said this to the Lord in Proverbs 30, verses 7 to 9. Two things I request of you before I die. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food you prescribe for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Ager got his wants and his needs in line by making sure he only wanted what he needed. And then he asked God just to meet that need. He didn't want too much. He didn't want too little. He just wanted what was sufficient for that day. So I want to leave you with this thought. If God answers prayer, then you can trust God for today's provisions without worrying about tomorrow's needs. You know, there's a story I read. It was advertised as true. Story of a man who owned a little grocery store. And it was the week before Christmas and a tired-looking woman came into the store and asked if she could just have enough food to make Christmas dinner for her children. Well, the grocer asked her, how much money did she have? And she said, well, my husband was killed in the war. I have nothing to offer but a little prayer. Well, the storekeeper, not very religious or sympathetic, said half-mockingly, you write your prayer on a piece of paper and I'll weigh it. Well, to his surprise, the woman took out a piece of paper from the pocket of her dress and handed it to the man, saying, I wrote this during the night while watching over my sick baby. The grocer took the piece of paper, and before he could recover from his surprise that she had a paper, and because other customers were now watching and had heard what he said, he placed the unread prayer on the weight side of the old-fashioned scales, and he said, I will give you all the food that these scales will hold until they are perfectly balanced. He began to pile food on the other side of that scale, But to his his amazement, the scale would not go down. In his embarrassment, he continued to put food on that scale, but still the scale refused to go down. And while he kept piling food, he finally had enough to fill two full bags. He became angry and frustrated and said, that's all these scales will hold, but you'll have to put that food yourself in a bag. I'm busy. And so with trembling hands, the woman filled two bags full of food and through moist eyes expressed her gratitude and left. Well, after everyone left the store that day, the grocer examined these scales. And you guessed it. They were broken. They were broken just in time for God to answer the prayer of that woman. And as the years passed, the grocer could not get that incident out of his mind. Why did the woman come in just at that time? Why had the scales broken just before she walked in? Why didn't he bother to check the scales that day? And so years later, the grocer was an old man and the weight of that paper never left him. He never saw that woman again, had not seen her before that day, yet she stood out more than any customer he ever waited on. He kept that slip of paper on which that woman's prayer had been written, simple but full of faith. It read, 
Please, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. True story? Some would say no. It's a good moral of the moral story. Others say yes. A miracle does not need to be limited to raising the dead or a great medical healing. In fact, this miracle is among God's most common. That's a great story. But I want you to remember something else that Jesus said about bread. He said in Matthew 4.4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You don't just need physical bread to strengthen you. You need spiritual bread to save you. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I say to you, you eat of that bread and you will never hunger again. In these global times, it brings a lot of uncertainty. You know, I think about our immediate needs and I look at the idea that someone's going to have cyber warfare interfere with our banking situations and our various companies, and you may find yourself, we might find ourselves with the lack of ability to get our money out of the banks. But you know, we have nothing to worry about. I know that we will be having problems. We have problems now with high inflation and with prices that are too high, and uh, we're just having difficulty now, but we are truly a blessed people We have God who has promised that if we question how we will live, what does he tell us? We will live by the word of God. That's how we will sustain life. And again, Philippians 4.19 states, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Do you know how extensive his riches in glory are? I'll deal with that bank anytime. Amen. So go now in peace. And I want you to stay in peace and remain in peace regardless of what the world is telling you all around you. God will indeed provide. Amen? Amen. See you next week.